Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Thank you. I don't even know what that meant, but it must be. It sounds cool, so I'll take it. Chaplain Bill Roberts was in Okanagan uh, County this week. We sent him off last weekend to help uh, some of the victims uh, of the fires. And it was a, it was a tough time. Uh, we have a picture of Becky, 83 years old, who comes to the shelter three times uh, a day for food. She lost her car. She lost her house. She lost everything. And so we want to encourage... Uh, we just want to say thanks to Pastor Bill. He's here this morning. Thank you, Pastor Bill. And let's just pray. Uh, yeah, there's still a lot to be done. Uh, there's a need for construction workers, uh, funds. And so let, let's pray. God, we just thank you for, for Bill and his uh, heart uh, just to care for people. We ask you for provision, for shelters for people, for uh, ways for these people to just get back on their feet. We, we just ask your blessing. We just trust that uh, our own church can be part of the answer in, in a variety of ways. Give us wisdom. We thank you, Lord. And this morning, we just want to hear from you as we, as we look at uh, principles in the book of Acts. Just open, the, open our minds, open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I uh, nearly missed... God. I nearly missed Jesus because of my early church experience. I would go to church and uh, people wore special clothes. Uh, They sang music that wasn't like what was on the radio. They talked about God, but I never saw anything that gave evidence that he was around. It seemed like when they prayed, there wasn't an expectation of anything happening. Uh, I, I noticed that. Uh, it seemed funny to me. Once in a while there was a, uh, your will be done. It seemed kind of a passive, well, God, just whatever. And uh, have just whatever. And it was sort of a fatalism, really, instead of what the Bible had in mind by your will be done. Uh, there was uh, the Bible, and it was read, but it didn't seem to apply to our lives, and it, it didn't seem to be something to actually uh, do, more like a history book or something. I, I, I walked away from the church, and later, when I, when I met God, I didn't know who to talk to because I didn't know anybody who knew a real God. There was just this religious, this outward stuff, but beliefs, but it wasn't connected. And it took a while, and I began to grow, and found other people who knew not only a real God, but a real Jesus. And I I was excited. I gave my whole life to helping people find out that Jesus is real, because He is. And in the process, I found the book of Acts. Well, it was a surprise to me, because I thought, wow, has anybody ever read this? Because this is really, wow. And I I said, this is what I want. This is what I want. Now, there were people right off the bat who said, no, Dave, you can't have that. That's 2,000 years ago. And they said, just keep reading your Bible. You'll see. 
I kept reading my Bible, and here I am, and we're doing the book of Acts. I'm, ex- I'm excited about this morning as we begin to look at the book of Acts. I saw it as a book of action, a, a book where the rubber meets the road, where the Holy Spirit and we who are people connect and things happen. There wasn't any outward religiosity. In fact, if there was outward religiosity in the book of Acts, it was Ananias and Sapphira, and they lost their lives for it. Isn't that true? It's true. Um, We see disciples. Disciples are students, interns, apprentices, uh, imitators of Jesus, followers of Jesus, and we see them engaging the Holy Spirit and continuing the ministry of Jesus in their generation. And, and as we are here as disciples, we continue Jesus' ministry in our generation. We have the book of Acts to help us figure out how to do that. It reflects on John chapter 20, verse 21, and I'll just read it for you because we're actually going to be in the book of Acts. But John 20, 21, Jesus said, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. A powerful statement that gives us an understanding of what disciples do. They continue the ministry of Jesus. They do what he did. They act as he did. Their lives were as his, his were. And this changes everything. We learn in the book of Acts how to train disciples, how to win and train other disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, The same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is now in those who follow him, those who believe, those who've said yes to the forgiveness of Jesus. I'm excited about this series. It's entitled, When God Moves. You can pull out your message notes. When God Moves. Now, that's not... If God moves, or maybe he's around, or, well, I don't know for sure, but let's just think about it. It's when God moves. And in fact, God's very much at work here in our community, and we're going to grab hold. It's like catching the wave as a surfer. We're catching that wave, and we're going to stay on it. We're going to go for it and see what God uh, will do. So I have a question. Acts, why that title? I mean, it's cool, but why that title? And I've thought about it a bit. I actually teach the book of Acts over at Canby Bible College, and so I I give it some thought and uh, some engagement as well. Of course, it means action, but as I was praying and thinking for this particular time this morning, I realized it's acts of hope. There are people here this morning who are disillusioned, you're really hurting, maybe you're lonely or depressed or discouraged, a a, a relational breakdown, problem in your family, problem with friends, problem at work, no work, no money. These are acts of hope here in this book. And as we read the book of Acts, we see God coming through for us Jesus coming through for us, the Holy Spirit coming through for us, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of how difficult, regardless of how frustrating, regardless of how hopeless or at the bottom of the barrel it may seem or feel, God is right there and he's working, he's on the move and things are going to happen. 
And there's a hope, a sense of hope. And so acts of hope. Now, since the second century, the book has been referred to as Acts of the Apostles. And that may be what you have in your version. Go ahead and flip over to Acts chapter 1. You may see there Acts of the Apostles. I appreciate that, but it, it may take it away from us a little bit. Because we, we think of ourselves as maybe disciples, followers of Jesus, but most of us don't think of ourselves as, as apostles. And in fact, there are some who say we don't have apostles anymore, which is pretty ridiculous because it's right there in the book. But uh, the word apostle simply means somebody who's sent. Uh, it, it's the disciples who were sent to go and tell the message that the kingdom's coming. Well, that's all of us. And so if we want to call it Acts of the Apostles, then we'll call all of us, call of all of ourselves apostles, which is kind of cool, actually. I think Apostle Dave sounds pretty cool. But the idea is that we're all sent. And at this time, that word apostle wasn't such an official title like we would think of it today. This is the early church. Things are just unraveling. Uh, people are just figuring it out. As I think about it, uh, some have said acts of the Holy Spirit. And that's been more recent times. And I appreciate that because definitely the Holy Spirit is at work in the book of Acts. The, God is on the move. The problem is when we, we call it acts of the Holy Spirit, we say, oh, well, that's what God does. Let me just read the book of Ephesians or something like that. You see how it kind of removes it from us. Acts of the apostles. Well, it's for the apostles. Acts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, then that's what God does. But the book itself is actually a book that tells us how disciples act. And if we had it to do all over again, it would be fine to call it Acts of the Disciples. The acts that we do. You and I in this room. Not 2,000 years ago. Not the other guy down the street. Us. Acts of the Disciples. As the book rolls out how we continue the ministry of Jesus in our generation, how we follow Jesus, how we imitate him, how we are an apprentice or an intern to Jesus. And so the book of Acts is for us. And, and the title is important to me because we, we want to make sure that we realize that God has given us not just some history about how the early church got rolling, but a book that helps us to figure out how to live, very much so. And so Acts chapter 1, um, for those of you looking for it in your Bible, remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which lay out the life of Jesus. And then the next book, Acts, lays out how the disciples live and what they do. And as you're turning to the book of Acts, you're probably already there, I want to mention the book of Luke. It is interesting to note that the book of Luke was written to Theophilus. It has the same writing style as the book of Acts, and the two fit very much together. We can see that they were written by the same person and that they flow together. Maybe they were even connected as scrolls at one time. But it's very difficult to have a scroll that's that long. It's bulky. So you would cut it in the middle somewhere. Then look at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In my first book, I told you Theophilus. 
Let's just stop there for a minute. It actually looks like the reference is to the book of Luke. The first book and Theophilus. It's written to the same guy. In my first book, I told you Theophilus about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Luke has been uh, understood as the author of Luke, and we have sources in the early church. Uh, Eusebius, there was a guy in the second century that said Luke wrote Luke and Acts. And then there are the internal evidence, just the, uh, the fact that the style is so similar. We are very comfortable in saying that Luke wrote both Luke and Acts. And as you, as you study them together, you, you have that sense of style. You can see it. You, can, you see how the sentences are worded, even though translated into English. And so here we have the book of, of uh, Acts written by Luke to teach disciples how to love God, how to love people in very practical ways. And we see patterns uh, in the book, cycles uh, of how to make disciples who make disciples. And God acts in each of these different seasons, in each, each of these different parts. There, Jesus tells these disciples, apostles, to wait for the Holy Spirit. Then after the Holy Spirit comes, go and help them to know, help people to know that the kingdom of com- is coming and how to live for Jesus, how to live for God, how to continue the ministry of Jesus. I want to just uh, take, make a note, though, uh, just to clear the air. There really are people who say that the book of Acts is not for today. We, we respect them, but we don't agree. Uh, they say that the book of Acts is a history book, uh, for 2,000 years ago, we don't have miracles today. I've seen miracles. We don't have the Holy Spirit working uh, this way today. Here's what I've seen. As you move through the book of Acts, you come to the, book, uh, to the city of Thessalonica where Paul planted a church. And then he writes uh, a couple of letters to Thessalonica, which we see later in the book of the New Testament. Um, he, he goes to Corinth and then writes a couple of letters that we have later in the New Testament, First and Second Corinthians. He plants the church in Ephesus and then writes a couple uh, of letters to the Ephesians. We've got James, and then he's writing a letter. James is the leader of the uh, Jerusalem church. Then he, he writes a letter. We just finished studying James. Here's what's going to happen. If you throw out the book of Acts, you're left with throwing out the rest of the New Testament except the book of Revelation. And by the way, book of Revelation is written by John, one of the disciples. It's, it's in question too. If you're not up for, for Acts, well, you've got uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and you're, you're, you've left everything else behind. That's a very dangerous way to interpret the New Testament. And my understanding as I have dug into this is that all of this is for today. The book of Ephesians, the book of Corinthians, the book of Acts, it's all instruction for us on how to follow Jesus. Now, there might be a few cultural things we might uh, leave behind. I'm not going to require that you ladies wear hats. Is that okay? Can we do that? You're good with not wearing hats? So we're going to leave behind a few cultural things, but we're going to embrace the spiritual realities for all time. And 
we've experienced miracles. We're expecting to, mir- to experience more as God moves. And so we're going to embrace the book to learn how. And not just miracles, how to love people, how to make a difference in our world. And our world needs a difference. So Acts, how to act, how to be a disciple, how to continue the ministry of Jesus. And so we have these cycles that we see um, prayer, and then there's miracles, and so on. Let's take a look at a primary cycle and see how it fits us in our experience. And I'm going to use Stephen as an example, Uh, Stephen in the early part of the early church experience. And the first thing you see, and you'll see a blank there in your message notes, the first thing you see in this cycle is prayer, this pattern, this season. There's a season of prayer, Prayer was a mark of the church, and it's still a mark of the church. We don't go anywhere without prayer. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they, referring to the disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so you get this understanding of this, of this early church, community and uh, breaking bread, eating together, and even uh, the Lord's table and prayer, you know, we, a different kind of prayer, though. This was a prayer in which they expected results. Now, turn with me to Acts chapter 6, and we're going to see how this rolls out with Stephen. The problem here in Acts chapter 6 is that the early believers were putting their, their money um, into a fund to help people who were poor or in need. The Greek widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food, but the Hebrew widows were being taken care of. And so they needed to select some people to to get this fixed and to make this work. So they selected seven people, and one of them was Stephen. Now, I just want you to note, he was not called an apostle. He's a disciple. He's just like you and me. Now, he had... Gifts of the Holy Spirit, undoubtedly filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was maturing in them. And he's certainly a man of prayer, because that's what they did in the early church. And things happened in his life. But he's an average guy, daily spending time with God. And the next thing that happens after prayer is power. Because when you pray, God moves. Something happens. The reality of the Spirit confirms the resurrection of Jesus. And so Acts chapter 6, verse 8, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great, that word in the Greek is mega, I like that, performed mega wonders and signs among the people. He'd learned how to mature in his spiritual gifts that God had given him, and he was making a difference. Note in particular that in the book of Acts, and in fact in the whole Bible, prayer has results. God doesn't just sit up in heaven and listen. And for some, they feel God's hard of hearing. It's not that at all. God's very much at work. God's very much moving. And we're the ones who need to get things straight. Does that make sense? Is that true? And so we've got a God who's answering prayer. People are healed. Demons are being cast out. There is mega results. 
they're continuing the ministry of Jesus. They remember Jesus. He, he hadn't resur- he had, had, he, the resurrection hadn't been too long ago. They're continuing to do what he had done. Power had been mentioned in Acts 1.8 by Jesus. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's a, a certain authority in connection with God himself, with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is not the force. You know, George Lucas is bringing out Star Wars number seven. And I know none of you are interested. I know, I know. Star Wars 7, The Force Awakens. Oh my, The Force Awakens. Can I just tell you, our God hasn't been sleeping. Is that, can you do that? Is that okay? So we've got Star Wars, The Force Awakens. The problem with this impersonal force, it's something that you can connect with to wield your laser. Your, what do you call it? Your, yeah, that. So... Very cool. Very cool. It's all good. It makes George Lucas a very wealthy man. But when we connect with God, we're talking about relationship here. We're talking about love, loving people. And our, our power flows out of a love and a compassion and a relationship. And it's very different from what Hollywood would say God might be like. And we, we figure this out as we read through the book of Acts. When I pray for somebody, it's a dependence on the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I have a bachelor's degree. I have a master's degree. I have a doctorate. And uh, when I'm praying for somebody, I don't remind them that I'm a doctor. I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit. Isn't that true? Isn't that what we do? And so this is where we are in the book of Acts. It's this relationship, this connectedness, fueled by prayer, and then there's power. And by the way, a lot of this starts in the small group, where you pray for people in the small group. You make mistakes, you learn, you grow, you see things happen, and then you can take it to the larger group. There's a life application question there for you in your message notes, and you might even want to write some things. The question, are you powered up? Have you intentionally been sure that you're filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, we've already passed Acts chapter 2 where the Spirit is poured out. People are speaking in different spiritual languages. It's usually translated tongues. And uh, things are happening. But you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit if there's going to be power. And this is a daily thing, not once a year or something like that. So we've got prayer, and then we've got power in this cycle or these seasons. And then what happens? Well, we've got to explain how this power. We've got to explain why these things are happening. People are asking questions. And so we can have the word persuasion, which is the one I've chosen here, but it starts with a, it starts with a P. You've got to start these with the letter P. But it could be proclamation or it could be preaching. The idea is to help people understand why this demon left, why this healing, why this money came through, why this guy got the job, why this marriage is healed. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 9, opposition arose. 
And this is a result of answered prayer. There were various miracles. Stephen is arrested. The high priest gives him a chance to respond. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, he replies to this angry crowd, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. And then from Abraham on, he begins to explain how these answered prayers happened. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus. He tries to persuade them. And we know from the numbers that many, many of the people began to follow Jesus. Thousands began to follow Jesus. We want to be careful not to short-circuit the cycle in order to get thousands of people. You see in the cycle prayer and then power and then persuasion. Sometimes in the American church at large, it's persuasion and then persuasion and then persuasion. And so then we wonder why we don't see thousands coming to Christ. And as I look at the younger generation that wants experience, they want reality. They want authenticity. They want something genuine. You who are in the younger generation, you'll nod your head. We can provide that as we follow the cycles that we see in the book of Acts. When there's prayer and then there's power, people say, okay, I know something's happening here. And thousands followed. Well, after the prayer, the power, the persuasion, there's persecution. The Jewish leaders were very angry by Stephen's uh, preaching or his uh, proclamation because they're the ones who had executed Jesus. And so in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, now in full stampede, they dragged Stephen out of town and pelted him with rocks. They stoned him to death and he died. And great persecution followed. In fact, Acts 8, verse 1 That set off a terrific persecution of the church in Jerusalem. The believers were all scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. As I'm studying this, just meditating, praying, thinking, why why are people so opposed? Why the persecution? Why, Why are we Christians, a third of the world's population, the most persecuted? And I felt like, God reminded me or showed me that the issue is power. People in in control, in government or whatever it is, they want to keep their power. Other religious leaders, they want power. They want that control. They want to keep their little world in their little box. And Christians come along with a real Jesus who's bigger than their box And they get frightened. They get upset. They realize they might lose control. They might lose money. They might lose people. And this persecution comes out of a a complex psychological need to get control back. Real fear. And the persecution that we see in the world today is vicious. It's cruel. The few who wanted to keep power had Jesus killed. And now here in chapter 7, chapter 8, they're at it again. 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
Well, it sounds like Syria or Iran or something like that. But it occurred to me that when we're involved in prayer and power and persuasion, not only are people going to be upset, especially in some of the other cultures, but in our culture, the demonic gets upset. And that is so true. You can't see the persecution so much in this country. We don't have Christians being jailed, or at least not very many of them, for being followers of Jesus. But we have the demonic on attack. And how many of you feel attacked today because you're living out the life of Jesus as best you can? And there's an onslaught. Could be distractions, entertainment, could be hits on your marriage, hit on your finance. Whatever it is, the persecution comes. And sometimes we get hit hard. After the persecution, we see the disciples' perseverance. And that's the last part of this particular cycle that I'm bringing out this morning. There are others. There's perseverance. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. The believers who were scattered went everywhere preaching the message. I mean, this is just funny. They could have gone everywhere and played it safe. Oh, well, we won't tell them that Jesus is resurrected. They'll just laugh at us. They'll just say we're stupid. Or they won't believe it anyway. We'll just meet in our little small group and everything will be fine. No, they go out and they pray and there's power and there's persuasion and then there's persecution and then there's more perseverance so that the church spreads all over the Mediterranean world that way. It would have been nice if we could have done without the persecution or the perseverance. And some would like to do without the prayer and would just like God to just do the whole thing. But there's, there's a cycle, a reality. One thing I do see, though, the people did not give up. These were not quitters. The, the persecution did not stop them. These were people of courage. And I, I believe God calling us this morning to be courageous in the midst of the persecution, the frustration that comes our way. Well, after we move through this cycle, it repeats itself. It starts again. They go to another city, whether it's Samaria, it could be uh, the northern uh, Mediterranean, southern Mediterranean. There's prayer, there's power. Right away in chapter 8, Philip uh, goes to Samaria. There's answered prayer, there's miracles, demons are driven out, and there's all kinds of problems. And there's a lot of other examples of this. In fact, you see this so much in Paul, whether it's Philippi or Ephesus or Corinth, or you see him going in, and it's not long before the persecution. But there's always power and then persuasion. For us, there are seasons in our lives, and we don't want to be detoured. The life application question, what is God asking you to do next 
in the cycle in which you are now. Prayer, power, persuasion in your family, in your business, in the community, here at the church. One of the things I've seen as I read the book of Acts is that the normal Christian life, the normal disciple is not normal. I got this really from Watchman Nee, The Normal Christian Life, where his whole book is really a statement. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're not going to be normal. God gives us opportunity to pray, and things happen. There's power. There's demonstration. There's things that can't be explained except by the reality of God. And then, and then comes the attack, the persecution, and then the perseverance, and then we see it start all over again. I lived in Nigeria for three years. I directed the uh, Life Bible College of West Africa, our four-square school there. What a privilege, what a great time. Justice Ajayi was one of the faculty members, such a great guy. Uh, we, we grew to really love each other. He and his wife were having a terrible time getting pregnant. I remember praying and fasting, and then there was a breakthrough, and they were pregnant, had this beautiful little child, and all was to the glory of God. I left after three years and then became the regional coordinator for, for Africa, and I, I worked in our churches in sub-Sahara Africa. During one of my trips back to Nigeria, I got to connect with Justice, and he was able to tell me a story that was awesome, difficult to, to even believe. He was in a church in northern Nigeria, and that is where the concentration is primarily Muslim, where in southern Nigeria there are more Christians. Of course, you've even seen and read in the news about uh, the Muslims in northern Nigeria, very militant, uh, terrible, horrific things have happened. This was several years ago. He had his church, and then there was a living place behind the church, and then a compound where all this existed. And the church was coming along. Word came to justice that there was a mob coming. It was night. There was a mob coming, and there was a likelihood that the church would be burnt because there had been some rioting in the city. The gate was shut on a six-foot wall around the compound, very typical. He and his wife and the child could hear. They knew things were happening. Then there was the banging on the gate. And so they decided to go over the back wall, which isn't easy because there's the broken glass across the wall, but you can, you can get across by throwing a mattress on it, and then you can get over. The problem is that there was a Muslim family on the other side of the compound. But Justice knew enough about the Quran and the Muslim culture that if you go to a Muslim home and apply for asylum, ask for asylum, they have to give it to you. So he and his wife and child got over this tall wall, got onto this compound and asked for asylum. And the family gave it to them. Meanwhile, the church was set on fire and it was ruined. 
Justice was now back in Lagos, and we're having this conversation. And I'm just stunned by the reality, so grateful that he's alive, that he wasn't killed as many other pastors and many other followers of Jesus have been in northern Nigeria. And so as the conversation went on, I asked him, what's next? And he said, oh, we're planting another church. And the city that he was planting the church in was also in northern Nigeria, a hotbed for the Muslim community. My, my heart just burned, just, man, this guy's really doing it. I mean, this is the book of Acts right in, my, right in my life. And this is the kind of people that God is using to make a difference around the world. And we, we have this right here. These cycles are real. This, this, God is at work today in, in our lives uh, just, just as he was in the book of Acts a couple of thousand years ago. We see it all through history. And it's exciting. There's a challenge for us here, and you'll see it there in your message notes. Oh, there's a life application question. I don't want to miss that. In which life group or serving opportunity will you be involved? I want to challenge you. There's, there's a brochures laying all over the building. You can talk with people in the lobby. The, the, the small group is such an incredible place to grow in this kind of discipleship. This is where the action is. Oh, I like that action acts. Get it? This is where the action is. And I want to encourage you as you look at your fall to be sure you're connected to other people who are growing and let that fusion result in a new level of discipleship that you're going to the next place in what God is calling you. And then the, the last thing is a challenge there in your message notes. Read through the book of Acts with the rest of us during this coming season as we take on the book of Acts a chunk every week. Read through the book of Acts, Pastor Ron taking us in, into first, uh, the first chapter of Acts next week. Read through the book of Acts with the intent of applying it to your life. Not intellectual uh, pursuit, but a commitment to continue the ministry of Jesus today. And we're going to see things happen. We're going to see God move in ways he hasn't moved in the past, in ways he has moved in the past, and we have much to look forward to. Maybe this morning there's a thought. I want to connect to this Jesus, not the religious stuff, but I want to connect to this Jesus. We want to invite you to say yes to Jesus. There are going to be prayer team members here at the front after uh, we have a last song of worship. If you want to say yes to Jesus, I want to invite you to take a, take a step, come with family that came, you came with or friends that you came with, and come forward and, and, and pray a prayer that receives that forgiveness and launches you into the kind of discipleship that you've always wanted to follow Jesus. I mean, there's nothing that's better. Would you stand with me, Fees, as the worship team comes forward? I want to pray with you. Lord God, we are appalled by the religiosity that we sometimes see around us. And we want to move away from that outward-looking discipleship to a discipleship like we see in the book of Acts where disciples are committed, we are committed to actually continuing the ministry of Jesus today. Where we use your gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, hospitality or 
or administration or leadership or uh, praying for the sick or whatever it is. We want to flourish in this. Fill us full of your Holy Spirit. Fill us full, Lord. Thank you that you've given us the Bible, not just to study, but to live out. We are committed. We're looking forward to what you're going to do in our lives. And as a book of hope, thank you, God, for being on the case in these things that are happening in our lives. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The prayer team members are going to be here in the front. You're free to come during the worship or after the service. And some of you are going to be one of going to want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just take advantage of that as well. God bless you. Thanks, Jeremy. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.